Welcome to Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We are so glad you decided to join us today. We know you're going to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged by this powerful sermon. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, it says this. This is the words of the Apostle Paul. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. In other words, God's going to use Paul to do great things. So to keep me from being conceited as I do all these things, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from being conceited. Said it twice. Verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. In verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power, listen to these words, is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, Therefore, because God said that to him, my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul then responds with, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He got the ingredient, right? He realized that when I am weak, God's power comes in and strengthens me. Then verse 10, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of Christ, then I am content Somebody say, I am content. This is hard sometimes for us to go, what is he saying here? He's really okay with this? We're going we're gonna to look at this as it's laid out in the Word. Then I am content. Oh gosh, I can't believe this list. With weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am Strong. What was the thorn in the flesh? There have been multitudes of conjectures. If you notice, he never says what it is. And some of our church fathers and people who were, were very uh, you know, established in keeping the lineage of all things going forward with the word, here's some of their thoughts. It was an earache. Epilepsy. All the adversaries of the word. Fleshly temptation spiritual temptation, infirmities of the mind, disfiguring eye disease, false teachers, blasphemous thoughts of the devil, and Malta fever, just to name a few. So men were trying to figure out what was his thorn. It's never said because if it was a particular thing, then that's, what, that's the one thing that we would only associate it with, but he leaves it open to discussion because it can be whatever you're dealing with. The Greek word for thorn signifies a stake, to be tied to a stake by way of punishment. And it is used to signify the most oppressive afflictions. Paul said that God gave me a thorn in my flesh. Now, how about this thought? 
And, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll read the words of one commentator. He says, as far as it being a crippling or disabling bodily ailment simply doesn't conform to the amazing strength and endurance of the matchless apostle. He is revealed in the New Testament as a man of exceptionally strong constitution and remarkable powers of physical endurance. So this particular man of God is saying, I don't, he doesn't think it could be a physical thing because Paul wouldn't really be complaining about that because he had such strength. So how about this angle? Could it refer to the distresses he had endured through the opposition that he met at the church in Corinth? Someone says, that doesn't seem like a very big deal. The opposition due to false teachers infiltrating the church. Someone says, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Well, then you never pastored. Yeah, what that ends is. So I get it. That could be his thorn, to be dealing with these false teachers that tried to come into his church, the church he was trying to help, and tear it apart with their wrong teaching. Can somebody say amen to that? But it says that God permitted it to keep going to keep the apostle humble. The messenger of Satan, that phrase, another mode of expressing what he calls a thorn in the flesh. Jesus Christ sent Paul to proclaim the truth to the church and he was at a church in Corinth. Satan, the adversary of God's truth, sent a man to preach lies at the same place, probably causing Paul to be greatly buffeted. So this could be the reason. This could be his thorn in the flesh. But whatever it was exactly, Paul said, listen to these words, a thorn was given me in the flesh. And to someone much smarter than me, Charles Haddon Spurgeon comments on this phrase, was given he said, Paul reckoned his great trial to be a gift. I know all of you think that when you're going through something hard, aren't you? You think, man, this is a gift. This is great. This is great. He said, it is well put. He does not say there was inflicted on me a thorn in the flesh, but there was given to me. This is holy reckoning. Child of God, among all the goods of your house, you have not one single article that is a better token of divine love to you than your daily cross. I dare not speculate about the thorn in your life, but I know that behind it there is the ultimate purpose of God doing this very thing. However, I want to show you from this passage that there was not only a purpose in the thorn, but a wonderful provision. He says, lest I should be exalted above measure was the purpose, the provision, my grace is sufficient for you, and then the explanation for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And here's this great man of God doing just one of the most important works in the history of Christianity, and he was dealing with this constant thorn, constant trial, this constant bummer in his life. Verse 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. How many of y'all really want to live in God's power? Some of you say amen to that. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The original Greek sentence reads this way, Is sufficient for you my grace my power in weakness is perfected. So the first words that are in the Greek language are is sufficient. 
just really shows God's grace for our lives, amen, which should encourage all of us. His emphasis on his supply of grace to us is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Do you realize every month there's 7,000 churches that shut down and every week there's 1,500? No, every year 7,000 churches shut down and every month 1,500 pastors quit. 7,000 churches a year shut down every month. 1,500 pastors quit the pastorate. My grace is sufficient for you. But Paul did, or God didn't give Paul any explanations. We always want an explanation. Instead, he gave him a promise. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. We live on his promises. I noticed this. There's two personal pronouns, my and you. So a statement that God is very close and very personal, very intimate with us. My grace is sufficient for you. Very personal God. So the word grace is the Greek word charis. And in this context, grace speaks of, and hear this, you can write it down if you'd like. Grace speaks of the supernatural power available to Paul to enable him to bear up under his weakness. Grace. Supernatural power power available to Paul to enable him in this context to bear up under his weakness, which was the trial of the thorn in the flesh. Grace is God's unmerited help for one undeserving and with no ability to pay back. Grace is God's unmerited help for one undeserving with no ability to pay back. Anybody grateful today for God's grace? Grace is not a static concept. It's a dynamic force which transforms us beginning with salvation and continues with us through our sanctification until we reach glorification. God's grace supplies us the supernatural power to enable us to bear up under our weaknesses. Let me say amen to that. Grace, and I'm going to read it, so uh, don't get mad at me. I'm going to read it as I wrote it. God enables the believer to endure, I even highlighted this, without grumbling or complaining and enables our weaknesses or suffering to be used for God's glory. Grace enables the believer to endure without grumbling or complaining. Grace enables the believer to endure without grumbling or complaining. Man, I know nobody in here has ever grumbled or complained when you've gone through something. Right? Yeah. Amen? How many of y'all have done the Fred Flintstone talk and the Charlie Brown guy, you don't ever know what he's saying? And people just get, and we just, uh, and other things come out of some people's mouths. We get, we grumble, we complain. When we're going through something difficult, God's grace is sufficient for us to provide us with a power available there to help us in these weaknesses. Amen? We don't have to grumble. We don't have to complain. We've all been there. We need to stop it. When when a Christian turns away from living by God's grace, he or she must depend on their own power, and this invariably leads to failure and disappointment. We need to live within God's grace and rely on God's grace and God's power when we feel weak. We can admit our weaknesses, His power supernaturally can come upon us 
and continue to use us. Grace, the acronym, G-R-A-C-E, equals God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. God doesn't just give us grace that we might endure our sufferings. He gives us grace that we might rise above our circumstances and our feelings and cause our affliction, our afflictions to work for us in accomplishing something good. This is such a deep, um, it's such a deep word, and I'm telling you, if we all grab this, this understanding, why did Paul, I always just wonder, why does he walk, why did he always have so much, why was he able to keep going, beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and lashed and, insulted and all these things in his life, but Paul was able to rise above his circumstances because he tapped into God's grace. He understood the fact that God's grace gave him supernatural power because Paul was willing to admit his weaknesses. You know, we live in a society that says that men should be a certain way, that we're supposed to. But you know what's really amazing about all of this? I'm finding that to really live as a powerful man, we have to always be willing to realize, I am weak. I'm not capable to deal this with any of this stuff in my own ability. Whatever you're dealing with today, let's say whatever that thorn is in your life, you're not capable of trying to deal with it your way. We try to deal with it our own way, and it never works out right becomes debilitating. We try to work it out in our own power. We don't get in the Word. We don't rely on God. We don't pray. We don't tap into His grace. We don't get before Him and say, God, I'm weak today. I can't take this anymore. Allow me to walk in Your grace, Your supernatural power that enables me to rise above this. We should all be people that are rising above our circumstances. Not always defeated and down and downtrodden and discouraged and depressed. We should be rising above that. Somebody say amen. Are you all out there today? Amen. God wants to build our character so that we become more like our Savior. It's all about building our character. It's all about building us up. And he gave this to Paul. And Paul asked him, God, take this away. Take this away. Take this away. God's response was no explanation. My grace is sufficient for you. God's grace enabled Paul to not only accept his afflictions, but to glory or boast in them. John Piper said, if we feel and look self-sufficient, we will get the glory, not Christ. So Christ chooses the weak things of the world so that no man should boast before God. And sometimes he makes seemingly strong people weaker so that the divine power will be more evident. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. The word sufficient, the Greek word archeo, means to be enough, to be adequate with the implication of leading to satisfaction, to be satisfied or contented with something. My grace is sufficient for you. Be content. Second Corinthians here, archeo, is not in the past or future tense in the Greek. It's in the present tense. It means this divine gift of grace is continually sufficient. It's always there, always available. That's what I love about the original languages. Greek uses different tenses of the verbs that shows us whether it was a past thing done once or is it a present thing that means it's being done now and always. And that's what this 
word here, sufficient, means in the Greek that it's continually available to you. His grace is a very present help in time of trouble, Psalms 46.1. His grace is a veritable, all-sufficient, supernatural source of strength. Paul wasn't supposed to be a big guy. I doubt if Paul could tear phone books. I doubt if he deadlifted 300 pounds. I probably didn't bench over 180. But he was a man of great strength and power because he lived within the understanding when I am weak, then I am strong. How many of y'all have been lashed 39 stripes across your back three times? But he kept going. Snakes beat him, shook him off. Paul suffered for years with a thorn in his side, but he received years of grace, constantly supplied. And God gives us a lifetime of grace for all of our weaknesses. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The word power, dunamis, refers to achieving power, power or ability to carry out some function. So God gives us the power to do the things he's called us to do even when we are weak or even when we're going through trials. And the problem with a lot of us, me as well, we go through a trial and it slams us in the face and we stop. We stop reading, we stop praying, we stop coming to church, we stop doing the things that God has called us to do where His grace is efficient to keep us going, moving forward constantly. Amen? John's son and Darla are going to find this out as they start a pastor in their new church. They have to rely on God's grace because people, even in the church, are people and they do funky stuff. And you need God's grace to help you keep moving forward. God's power. God's power is best realized in the presence of our powerlessness. When we don't feel like we have any power, if we're a believer, I'm not talking about sinners who don't know God in a personal relationship, but for us as believers, when we feel weak, we tap into that grace and into that divine strength that gives us the power to get through our situation. Somebody in here is going through something today. You need to rely on the power of God. When you are weak, He is strong. Again, John Piper writes, the test for Paul was... Will you value the magnifying of Christ's power more than a pain-free life? Will you value the magnifying of Christ's power more than a pain-free life? Life is not pain-free. We do not get saved and everything becomes easy. We get saved and the moment I got saved... I thought, what in the world? I mean, he kind of gave me a honeymoon. We get saved, we go through a honeymoon time, everything's like, oh, this is awesome. I don't see, I don't have any trials. Because <laughs> I think we're not ready yet. And all of a sudden, one day, it's like, well, it's time. Bam! And here they come. And now we live our lives from then on, always seeming fighting some trial. But you'll see as you mature in God and as you tap into his grace that they don't affect you like they used to. Because now you're walking in a place where you're able to rise above them. Can somebody say amen to that? How many need to begin to rise above your circumstances that you're going through today? Raise your hand or don't. 
The grace of Christ was adequate for Paul, weak as he was, because divine power finds its full scope in our human weakness. When we are weak, then we are strong. God gives you power when you just really realize, I can't do this on my own. Is this a great sermon, not because of me? Do we need to live this out? Look at Judges, the whole thing about Gideon's army. What did they start with? 22,000 troops. Reduced to 10,000 troops. Reduced to how many? 300 men. When you come to the point in your life where Jesus is all you have, you come to realize that Jesus is all you need. 300, because God said, y'all ain't getting the glory, I'm getting the glory. I'm going to reduce this down to when it happens, it's only going to be known that God won the victory. And that's where you want to be. When you, where, where he is all you have, and all you have to depend on is his power, and God comes in and reduces your situation down to 300 because he wants the glory it's about god getting the glory he says for my power is made perfect or perfected in weakness the word perfected teleo means to accomplish and complete something by bringing it to perfection in other words us as his believers or his saints in a weak state the lord comes into a his power comes into a more perfect activity in our lives his power is perfected in us. Um, this is interesting that when Jesus was on the cross, he used the word tetelestai, which is a Greek word for it is finished. The root word of that is teleo. So the very word that Jesus used on the cross when he gave up his spirit, at the point of his greatest weakness, God perfected his greatest power in Christ. Power sufficient to break sins, power to enslave men, power sufficient to render an operative the power of the devil, and power that led to his resurrection and victory over the power of death. At his weakest moment, in came the Father's power. Let me say amen to that. Power is continually increased as the weakness grows. God works with broken reeds. If a man imagines himself to be an iron pillar, God can do nothing with or by him. All the self-conceit and confidence have to be taken out of him first. He has to be brought low before the Father can use him for his purposes. It's the opposite of the way the world thinks. He has to be brought low before the Father can use him for his purposes. Then he goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, I will boast. Or some say, versions say, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly. Listen to these words of this guy. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That phrase, most gladly, or all the more gladly, in the Greek is the word sweet. How can you connect sweet to this? But there's a sweetness in this kind of boasting, not because the experience feels good to our outer man, but because the divine assurance that it will yield good in our inner man. Therefore, all, I will boast. This is sweet. My, I will boast of the sweetness of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sweet, joyous, 
attitude reflects Paul's total surrender and complete submission to the Lord. When we grumble, we're not completely submitted. When we complain, we're not completely submitted. We all do it. We need to work at it and try to stop it. Amen? And trust in Him and rely on Him. Someone says, yeah, but you don't understand. <laughs> hey, I know, I've been there. But look at what we're learning here. Paul just had this attitude, this surrender and submission to God that was able, that enabled him to live in this most gladly, therefore, I will boast in this stuff I'm going through. Contrary to our human brain, amen? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The very same power that raised him from the dead. How many of y'all want to live in that power today? So he provides his power to accomplish his purposes through us in our weaknesses. So our trust can only be in him. Our desire is only to serve him. And if so, he's both willing and able to do exceedingly abundantly but all we, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. When we give up ourselves, when we submit ourselves, when we quit trying to do things in our own strength and ability and let God move in on our weaknesses and make us strong, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above, beyond all that we ask or think according to the power, his power that works within inside of us. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for I am weak, I am strong. The Amplified Bible says, so for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased and take pleasure <laughs> in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, and distresses. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am truly strong, able, powerful, and divine strength. I am well pleased and take pleasures. This, this takes one of these things when you read this because you're like going. I am well pleased and take pleasure in infirmities, insults. How many of y'all like to be insulted? I mean, when y'all ever been insulted? We're going to learn what insults are. You get an insult, you're going, hey, man, come on. Oh, yeah. God, give me your power right now. Excuse me. Hardships. Hardships. This guy was shipwrecked, left out in the middle. Of the I've been in the ocean before in the middle of the night when it's dark out. You can't see nothing. When you're in the water, you can't see someone right here. He's shipwrecked out in the ocean, floating on the water. I mean, he went through so much stuff. People stoning him. As much as he went against the Christians before he got saved, they all, all this stuff hit him as now a believer, but yet he lived in God's power. Amen? Uh, magnified our human weaknesses. Paul was well pleased with his condition because he knew in this condition I'm going to walk in even more power. That is so contrary to our thinking. I'm so pleased with this hardship. Oh, no, I'm in another hardship. Oh, yeah, it's not about the hardship. It's because he knew what it was going to bring into his life. So he's not glorying and happy about going through his trial, but he knows what that trial is going to bring in his life because he knows how to tap into that. Sometimes we don't tap into it. We're not getting this because we grumble and complain and wonder why God's doing this to us. And Paul just said, hey, I asked for it to go three times. It never did. 
and God said, my grace is sufficient for you, well, then I am content. And I will boast all the more gladly in these hardships and weaknesses. I am content means literally to think good, so to be pleased or delighted. He was pleased or delighted with weaknesses, insults, persecutions. Illustration. Uh, have you ever heard of Fanny Crosby? She wrote hymns. She's a hymn writer, famous hymn writer. She was blinded shortly after birth as a result of a doctor's mistake. But this remarkable woman overcame her disability to live a long and productive life. She provided the church with countless hymns and gave a joyful testimony for Christ. Mrs. Crosby often said she was glad to be blind since it meant the first thing she would see was the face of Jesus. So he's glad about insults. Insults, Greek word hubris. It refers to treatment which is deliberately calculated publicly to insult and openly humiliate the person who suffers from it. Hubris includes the idea of vile treatment, which is not just with words, but can also be with violence and assault. I boast all the more gladly about these insults. And peop, not me, I'm assuming he's in. And people... And people, I mean, so in other words, it's not just, hey, Paul, you're stupid. Hey, Paul, you know, you don't look, you look tired. It was like, you know, raw, you know, I hate you, raw, and doing stuff to him. And he's like, I boast all the more gladly because, because God's strength comes on me, amen. And he knew that. God's power came on him when he was going through those situations. He was pleased or delighted with these. Calamities or perplexities, the Greek word for calamities. Um, stenochoria, pictures finding oneself in a tight corner. He says, I most boast all the more gladly with calamities. Picture someone in a tight corner, hemmed in with no way out, and a narrow strait without the possibility of escape. This Greek word might be used of an army caught in a narrow rocky defile with space neither to maneuver nor to escape. He was a man at times that would be in situations where the walls of life were closing in around him. But he said, I will boast all the more gladly in my calamities. I believe, as I'm saying this right now, this is one of the most important, profound things that we all need to memorize and have in our hearts that when we're going through something, if we are a child of God, don't try to handle it in ourselves, but let God do it for us, and that only happens when we admit that we are weak and He is strong. If you're new to all this today, a lot of people, maybe some in here, have they're older in the Lord and they've been to church all their life and they hear this and ho-hum, I've heard those verses before, but if you're new in here today, you need to grab a hold of this. It will change your Christian walk. It'll change the way you live your Christian life. And you will live your life with more joy. Even in trials, you'll live your life with more joy if you tap into what he's doing. Coming to a close, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That word for when, for when, describes an infinite or indefinite time. In other words, at whatever time. Anytime I'm weak, for when, for when, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the mindset of a guy who's learned the secret of the school of suffering. 
Are we supposed to suffer as believers? Will believers suffer? And thus, who is ever ready to surrender his will to the will of his Lord and Master? Does anybody like to go through trials? No. Do we glory in the fact that this hurts? Man, I'm so glad. Those insults make me feel so good. It's not about that. It's about what we get out of it from him. I close with this phrase. We are the strong, weak people. We are the strong, weak people. We accept our weaknesses in Christ. We can be strong, weak people. Think about Samson. What a contrast Paul is to Samson. Strong are made weak and the weak are made strong. God can use the weak man. So as we accept our weaknesses in Christ, we can become strong, weak people. And I, I close with this question today. Whose strength will you proclaim today? Your own or God's? Is it your strength or is it God's strength? Because in his power, amen, when we are weak, it's his power in our weakness today. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us at Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We pray this sermon blessed you, encouraged you, inspired you, and challenged you in your walk with Christ. Thank you for being with us. Come back and visit us anytime. God bless you.